Thanks for joining us for the weekend edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Each Friday and Saturday here on In Spirit and Truth, Pastor J.D. shares a Mideast prophecy update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It's our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It's our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. Peace and security is something that we all want, and our current administration is pursuing it no holds barred. Pastor J.D. will remind us that these are the two words that will be on the lips of many just before catastrophe strikes. And the glorious truth is that we will be raptured before this catastrophe occurs. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on September 23rd. 2018. You know, in Romans 8, that amazing chapter in Romans 8, where Paul says we are more than conquerors, he's quoting out of the Psalms because the Israelites were so fearful that they would be conquered by the Assyrians. So you know what? (laughs) This is how God does it. And I love it. He just has an angel, no name, just this angel go at night, and just kill every single one of those 185,000 Assyrians that have besieged Jerusalem. And so the Israelites wake up in the morning, and (laughs) they had conquered. They're more than conquerors. They had conquered the ones who had conquered everyone before them. And throughout Israel's history, true to form, God throws the enemy into confusion, and they end up killing each other. And oh, by the way, The details in Ezekiel 38, and we'll talk about this maybe at another time, but uh, they are dealt a decimating blow against all odds. You want to talk about the impossible? Nobody comes to Israel's defense, two words, but God. And he defeats this Russian, Iranian, Turkey alliance of nations that come to invade Israel. Well, if this weren't bad enough, according to Ynet News, in addition to Russia blaming Israel, Russia is also now threatening Israel. The threat from Russia is that they will take all necessary measures in order to eliminate any threat to life and security of Russian military, which assists the Syrian regime. And by the way, unprecedented. This is directly to Israel. Oh, they've threatened wars and threats of wars, rumors of wars abound. But this is a first. This is unprecedented. This is directly a threat to Israel because of this. As you might imagine, amidst all the blaming and threatening, Netanyahu and Putin would deem it necessary to have a talk, which is exactly what they did, according to the Times of Israel. On Tuesday, Netanyahu spoke with Putin 
amid the rising tensions between the two countries. According to the Times, the Prime Minister conveyed sorrow over the deaths of the Russian soldiers and said that the responsibility for downing the plane falls on Syria, and it does. The Kremlin said that Putin emphasized that the Israeli attack violated Syria's sovereignty and also breached the Russian-Israeli agreements on avoiding clashes in Syria. The Russian leader, listen, urged Netanyahu, quote, not to allow such situations in the future. Oh, (laughs) them are fighting words. Well, here's what I'm thinking. Leading up to this week's 73rd UN General Assembly, the clarion call, like never before, is for peace and security, especially in light of the threats in Syria with all of the world's superpowers at the ready. All it takes is one click of the mouse, so to speak. You know, we talked about the rubber band can only be stretched so far for so long before it finally snaps. And that's the prophetic picture that I believe we have today. Also, the U.S. Embassy is now in Jerusalem, and for the first time, Russia, Iran, and Turkey are now allied in Syria, threatening Israel from the north. Suffice it to say, this is exactly what God's word has to say concerning what will happen at the time of the end, when they do not escape the sudden destruction coming down upon them. Let me elaborate and expound on that for just a moment, if you'll bear with me. I've shared in the past how that I'm becoming increasingly convinced that this sudden destruction that comes down upon them may happen simultaneously with what happens to we. Let me explain. The Apostle Paul, delineating between they and we, says they will not escape. But he also says, we who are alive and remain will escape in what's been called the great escape. In other words, could it be, I know this sounds dorky, but when sudden destruction goes down, we go up. I told you that was dorky, okay. (laughs) It could happen at the same time. It would kind of fit. They won't escape. The implication being that there are those who do escape. Who are those that do escape? The we. We who are alive and remain will escape when this sudden destruction comes down. Well, all of this begs what I would submit are two questions that we would do well to ask ourselves. Here's the first one, and think about this. I'm appealing to just the, the, the logic, your God-given logic and intellect. Just think about this. 
What are the odds that everything taking place today would line up exactly and with such specificity as the Bible says? Let me uh, add to that. What are the odds? I actually had an online member, a mathematician. you got to love these these guys that are wired with their brains are just, I mean, just geniuses, right? They, they love numbers, which um, anyway, um, <laughs> was never my area of gifting, I can tell you that. But they actually did a calculation, just as an estimation of what the statistical odds would be of just at this very time, uh, Russia, Iran, and Turkey being in Syria at this exact time, and it was something like this number to the this number power. In other words, it's a very big number. It's a big enough number to make your hair hurt, okay? Or what little, <laughs> in my case, what little hair you have to hurt. Just the st- statistical odds of just that at this exact and precise time. Now you add into that and factor into that equation the odds of now the embassy being in Jerusalem, the push for peace, the peace push, the clarion call for peace and security. All of the nations lined up exactly as we were told they would be. And then you factor in this, that it's happening quickly. very fast. And wouldn't it stand to reason, here's the second question, wouldn't it stand to reason with everything happening as fast as it's happening that we should be discerning the signs of the times? Let me say it another way. Wouldn't it make sense, again, just logically, I mean just reasonably, let's, let's be reasonable, Wouldn't it make sense that as we look around at what's happening in the world today, particularly in the Middle East as it relates to Israel and specifically Jerusalem, and then we we look at what God's Word says it will be like at the time of the end, and they match up perfectly? Wouldn't it be reasonable to conclude just logically that Bible prophecy is being fulfilled? I mean, we, we want to be discerning, right? Especially when it comes to the signs of the times. In Matthew chapter 16, verses 2 and 3, there's this stunning, and I mean stunning, rebuke from Jesus to the Pharisees and Sadducees for not discerning the signs of the times. Listen to what he says. He says, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites! You know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. I think of the men of Issachar, of whom we're told that they discerned the times, they understood the times that they were living in, and they knew what Israel should do. That's interesting to me because it's not just discerning the times, it's knowing what you need to do about it. This is Luke's Gospel, chapter 12, 
verses 39 and 40. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he talks to them about and teaches them about both watching and expecting his return. Listen to what he says. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So, you discern the times, you realize that the time is at hand, that the Lord's return is nigh, so what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Oh, you're going to wake up. You're going to start watching, because now you're expecting it. This is how I want to close. The Lord's return will not be as a thief in the night for those who are watching and expecting him to come at any hour. Now, I, I think I might need to clarify something here because, and I don't want you to misunderstand me when I say this. So the question is, okay, so you've got a Christian born again, and they're not watching. Um, will they go up in the rapture? <laughs> Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> Answer, yes. They're saved. But here's the thing. They're going to be caught off guard. Because they weren't expecting it. Contrast that with the Christian who is not just expecting it. I mean longing and aching for the Lord to return for that trumpet to sound. I want to go home already. Lord, come quickly. It's not going to be a surprise to us. Oh, we're still going to see them raptured at the same time. I, I know, you know, this is actually a false teaching about the partial rapture theory, which cannot be because it would then mean that our salvation, our redemption, is based on our works. Being a strong, watching Christian, no. There are sleeping Christians. There are Christians who are not ready, who are not watching, who are not expecting the Lord to come back. And here's the thing, they're going to be caught so off guard, and they're not going to be ready. If they're saved, if they're born again, they'll go up in the rapture. But how much more better for those of us who are expecting the Lord's return at any time? Now this, of course, presupposes that you're born again of the Spirit of God. Jesus said, unless you're born again, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, let me put it this way. If you're not born again, you will not go up in the rapture. Period. If you're not born again, you will not go up in the rapture. So, how do you be born again? Well, this is why we present the gospel at the end of our prophecy updates every week. It's how to be saved. It's, it's the good news of salvation. It's how to be born again. What's the gospel? The gospel means good news. Your debt has been paid. You're free to go. 
The gospel is, Paul writing to the Corinthians and also to the Thessalonians says, the gospel is that Jesus Christ was crucified, he was buried, and he rose again on the third day, and he's coming back one day. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Now, what are we going to do? We've been presented with the good news. Now, what are we going to do with it? Are we going to reject it? Or are we going to accept it? Here's the thing. Every single one of us, every man, woman, and child alive today, I don't want to get into that, the age of accountability thing, but you understand what I'm saying. Every single one of us will stand before the Lord and based on our answer to what we did with the person of Jesus Christ, that will be the gauge by which we are allowed access into heaven. Do I believe that Jesus Christ was who he said he was? And do I accept his payment in my stead? His blood shed for the remission of my sin as payment in full? That's what everything is going to hinge on. So now, how do I respond? Well, it's so simple. It's childlike simple. Jesus said, unless you become like a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. It's ABC simple. And I want you to listen very carefully to this first one. The A is for admit or acknowledge that you're a sinner and that you need the Savior. This is what it means to repent. And there's a lot of misunderstanding and there's also teachings, lordship, salvation, all of these things that you have to do before you can be saved. We do nothing before we're saved. Well, then what about repentance? Well, repentance means that you're acknowledging your sin. That's your repentance. You're repenting and you're acknowledging that you're a sinner and that you need salvation. That's repentance. Romans 3.10 says, There is no one righteous, not even one. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, here comes the penalty for that. It's Romans 6.23, and it's the bad news. The wages of sin is death. It's the death penalty. And the Bible says there's no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. And that's the good news. Jesus came, was crucified on the cross, shed his blood for the remission of the payment in full for all of our sin, and offers us the free gift of salvation, of eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Are we going to accept that free offer? Are we going to accept his payment? Are we going to accept his blood shed in our stead? It's freely offered to us as a gift. Do we receive that gift? Accept that gift? The B is for believing your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you believe in your heart, and this is key, that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. 
Why do we have to believe that God raised Jesus from the dead? Because the resurrection is where he defeated and sealed the deal, so to speak, in paying in full for all of our sins. He had to defeat death. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. He had to defeat death by paying in full for our sin, the penalty of our sin. The C is for call upon the name of the Lord, or if you prefer, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is Romans 10, 9 and 10. It also says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And here's why. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And Romans 10, 13 which for me was 36 plus years ago. It says, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You know what? It's never too late. It's never too late. But it's appointed on a man once to die. I don't want to get morbid here, but I want to be honest here and truthful. I want to speak the truth in love. It is appointed on a man once to die and then the judgment. There's still time, while we still have breath in this life, to make the most important decision you'll ever make for eternal life. And that's how you do it. You call upon the name of the Lord, believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and confessing with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, acknowledging your sin and your need for him and his payment in full for your sin as your Savior. That's how. And that's why it is that you will go up in the rapture and be allowed entrance into the kingdom of God. Father in heaven, I I thank you so much for the simplicity of the gospel. I thank you so much, Lord, even for the specificity of Bible prophecy. Lord, thank you for telling us what's going to happen before it happens so that when it begins to happen, believers would look up and lift up their heads knowing your redemption draws nigh. And Lord, thank you for telling us what's going to happen before it happens so that when it happens, non-believers will believe. When we see all of these things matching up precisely and perfectly, exactly as you said it would. Lord, I pray for anybody that's here in this church today that has never called upon you, has never been born again of the Spirit of God, that today would be the day of their salvation. And Lord, for anybody that's watching this online, it's no accident that they stumbled upon this video. And they actually kept listening because the Holy Spirit got their attention. If that's you, then I implore you today to call upon the name of the Lord. Make the most important decision you will ever make in your entire life for eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this special edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. 
Now, it's so important that you hear the purpose behind these prophecy updates that Pastor J.D. shares. The purpose is to see people just like you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. When you're right with the Lord, you'll be ready for the Lord and His soon return. You can do this by first admitting you're a sinner, that you've broken God's perfect law. Second, you need to confess that there's nothing you can do to fix this. You can't attend church enough, you can't pray enough or give enough money. There's nothing you can do to atone for your sins. Third, you must realize that there is someone who can. His name is Jesus Christ, and He is the Savior of the world. He gave His own life so that you wouldn't have to experience the penalty for your sins, which is death. Please, if you're listening today, receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and escape the realities of the prophecies that are being fulfilled all around you. For more information about what it means to be born again into the kingdom of God, log on to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and select the New Believers option. Again, that web address is InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Now, in the next edition of In Spirit and Truth, Pastor J.D. will be teaching through God's Word just like he does Monday through Thursday. And then don't forget to join us next Friday and Saturday for another timely prophecy update. Until then, may God bless you and keep you in his love.